Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filippone. All right, First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew <laughs> Filippone. Pony, fresh off TV, fresh back from the karaoke bar. I, because I'm a professional, watched every minute. Wearing thermal underwear. Yeah. (laughs) Watched every minute of Rams Raiders. Subscribe, rate, review every game, every team, every week. For three quarters, Pony, I thought this was the worst game of the season and arguably the biggest waste of my time. And I considered quitting first and pod. <laughs> and then 98 yards, no timeouts, 52 hours after signing with the team, Baker Mayfield drives down the field and beats Josh McDaniels and the Raiders in front of a stadium that was filled with about 80% of Raiders yep. fans. What an unbelievable football game. Like a dumb football game, but a fun football game. I loved how that game ended. That was incredible sports theater. Yeah, and everybody, when they listen to this tomorrow, the conversation Friday morning will be about what this means for Baker Mayfield, right? Like, hey, he's not going to be the Rams starting quarterback next year, but what can he do for his career? in this limited time that he has with the Rams and a good situation with Sean McVay as his coach. And I just thought that, I agree. I just thought that was so much fun watching him. I mean, the the Raiders, are you kidding me? They've lost to Jeff Saturday and now they lose to, to Baker Mayfield two days removed from him being claimed off waivers. I mean, it speaks to McDaniels and, his lack of ability as a head coach, but yeah, I mean, I like we're in an NFL where there are 32 starting quarterback jobs, but there are obviously not 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, Danny. And the fact that only one team claimed 
Mayfield. I know that the Rams were near the front of the line, but how are they the only team that took a shot on a guy that won a playoff game just a couple years ago? You know, what I don't know, man. I, I, I'll, I'll say this, like, that game was just so dumb. Like, he he had 210 passing yards. For, for, the, for, for the first two and a half, three quarters of the game, I was texting with a buddy of mine. He's like, can you believe that Baker Mayfield at one point was the number one overall pick in the draft? Like, now I know he was with a new team and it was an impossible spot, but he didn't, he didn't look special. He said on the podium with the Thursday night football guys, he was like, I can't believe the Raiders were in press coverage. And Richard Sherman was like, yeah, what the hell were they doing? There's 15 <laughs> seconds left. They're at the 22-yard line, and they're trying to jam dudes at the line of scrimmage. Like, <laughs> what? Like, it was just—it was such a dumb sporting event. There were two penalties on the Raiders uh, on the last drive. One of them uh, after a sack, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, like knocking the ball out of his hands. Like the other team has no timeouts. Just yeah, don't, don't, just don't do anything. And then you—you you mentioned McDaniel's. So you and then you mentioned that they lost to Jeff Saturday and now Baker. Uh, Nick pointed it out. Uh, the the examples of all of the games. I saw this stat. They're the only team in NFL history that's blown four thirteen or more point leads in a season. They had that crazy loss to Arizona earlier in the year. Uh, they had the huge lead against Jacksonville, seventeen nothing, and the Chiefs lead seventeen nothing. Like. Nathaniel Hackett's got to run for his money, man, as the worst coaching hire of the cycle. The the Raiders made the playoffs last year. They made the playoffs. Yeah, and they and they jettisoned that guy, and he's now the Packers special teams coach. And they added Devontae. They made the playoffs, added Devontae Adams, hired a high-profile head coach, and are worse. It's that is a that is a trap. Like Baker Mayfield, I don't think that he's going to ever be anything special long term. This was a magical moment for him, and I'm happy for him. But the Raiders, my God, man, like what a dumpster fire that situation is. It's yeah, crazy. and the whole and the whole like pregame vibe was, hey, you know, you've got two teams in the AFC East and two teams in the AFC North. Maybe the Raiders are able to be like the last team in. Uh, no, they're not no. the last team in. Not no. at all. And it it brings into focus what we've said for a long time on this show. Like the whole like Josh McDaniels was almost Andrew Luck's head coach and was a sought after commodity. And is he going to be Bill Belichick's heir apparent in New England? He's just a weird guy who's better off as a coordinator. Then he has a head coach. And when you let a guy that was released 48 hours before a game go the length of the field on you, it just brings into hyper focus that you're not cut out to be a head coach. So, and you're, you're like, you're, you know, I mean, he's obviously an offensive coach, but discipline. Yep. Right. I mean, those two penalties, like just, and the, like I said, the unsportsmanlike conic penalty, and then just like overall competence, the, the coverages that they were playing, that was. That was humiliating and great result for the Bears who needed <laughs> who needed more teams to get off of the three-win mark for, for yeah. tiebreakers. So that's the fourth win for the Rams because that pick's going to Detroit. So very, very nice result for the Bears. 
Now, if the Bears lose out and the Broncos win one game the rest of the way, uh, the Bears will have the second pick in the draft. So kind, kind of a dream scenario there. But Danny, I know we're into week 14, and I feel like the way that networks have set up our viewing schedule for Sunday is it's New York team against Super Bowl contender on both networks. Yeah. It's Jets and Bills, and it's Giants and Eagles. So let's start with that. And from a New York perspective, let's begin with among the Jets and Giants, which team do you feel better about right now? I think it's got to be the Jets. I They don't have their quarterback. Neither do the Giants. The Jets might have their quarterback, but a certainty that I know is that the Jets have the better roster two through 53. Now you could argue that the Giants have the better head coach and the offensive minded coach. And that's the coach that you would want to develop. Well, it's not even debatable because I know you feel that way. You think that Dable's one of the better coaches in the NFL. I mean, I I think that I think it's, I think it's an impressive start. And I think that if you can show an ability to, take Josh Allen from where he was to what he is and then take Daniel Jones from being a nothing to a something that suggests that you're a quarterback maximizer, which to me is the most valuable thing that you could have as a coach. So it, you know, if so it's, then why not the giants then? Because, because it's still a player's league and I'm not convinced that Zach Wilson is bad. He might be, it's not looking good, but he's got a tremendous amount of talent and anyone who's watched him play for any length of time would, would say that. And they are just a more talented roster. So I, 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 will, I will give the edge to the Jets because of the roster and the potential that the quarterback is there. We know the quarterback of the future is not on the Giants and we know their roster isn't as good. I don't think the coach is enough to make me give that to the Giants over the Jets. Is it for you? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that the Jets are one of those teams that might make their way into the playoffs this year. But, I mean, it's reminiscent of what they were in 2009 and 2010, where it's like, okay, you've got Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez, and you win playoff games, but what does it really mean long-term for your team? You've got a good roster, but your quarterback's the problem. You don't have a head coach that can get the best out of him. So I'd rather be the Giants right now. I mean, they've got way more holes to fill. And they've got a quarterback question. But, I mean, I don't think Robert Sala and Zach Wilson is a marriage that's going to work. So they might go 9-8. But what's your path if you're the Giants to getting your quarterback? The Jets might have their quarterback. The Giants don't. No, the, the Jets don't have their quarterback. You think it's 0% that Zach Wilson's a franchise quarterback? No, I don't 0%. know if it's 0%, but I don't think it's a percentage that I like for him. As I don't player. either. Right. But, so if but, but what's the path for the Giants to get a franchise quarterback? How does it happen? They, they have too many wins to get a top pick. And yeah. they don't have great assets to trade for whoever is going to be disgruntled. Fair enough, but what's the pathway for the Jets to get a franchise quarterback? That the number two overall pick in the draft with a huge arm is good. 
He's already on the roster. Well, when I tried to make that argument last week, you tried to make the case for Mike White being better than him. So why are you flipping this? Did I do that? You seem to bring up Mike White's Mike White's wife or fiance as an argument for like him being better than. Well, no, we I think I said that Mike White's fiance was shocked. At, I think it was his wife uh, at how well Mike White played, dude. Again, maybe it's ten percent that Zach Wilson is good, but ten percent is better than zero. And I think the Giants are starting at zero. Yeah, uh, I but- mean, to me, there's really not much difference between the two. If you were in a game, if you were in a hand of poker or in a hand of blackjack, and in in your odds were either zero percent or ten percent, you would make the same decision based on both. You'd fold the hand. Uh, yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, you you don't you don't play a ton of poker. I can tell because if I'm if my money's already in, and I, it's the it's just the fate of the cards. I'd rather have ten percent than zero. But I see. Listen. I don't think either team is in a great spot, but you asked me which team would I rather well, but, own. But stock it sounds in. to me like of all the things involved here, Brian Dable is the thing that you'd most want. If we're drafting things, you'd want yeah. Brian Dable more than Robert Sala, and you'd and both quarterbacks are negligible. No, but 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 Sauce Gardner looks like a number one corner. Sure. Williams look Williams looks like a legitimate, you know, Pro Bowl uh defensive tackle. Sure. Wilson looks like he's got upside of a number one receiver. Those are three of the five or six most premium positions in the NFL. And they've got elite young talent at premium positions. But you, called Dable, but you called Dable a quarterback maximizer. I, yes. Yeah. It, seem, it seems like he is. It, it's close. It's a good question. But I, I, I'll take the talent and the chance at the quarterback over the coach and and the bad roster, but but flip it. Go to the go to the other side. Go to the teams that they're playing in these matchups. Bill, Bills and Eagles. If you had to say, I want I want one to to win the Super Bowl this year, or ha- who who are you taking? Well, I actually think that the Bills have been discounted in a way where, like, I do think I there's a buy low opportunity in them. Like Josh Allen is 11 to 1 to win the MVP award. He's already gone to Kansas City and beaten the Chiefs this year. How is he that low? Well, I when told you this I told I told you that last week. If he if he wins out and they get the one seed, he's certainly not going to finish at 11 to 1. I'll tell you that. I don't know well, what, then, I don't know if he'll win it, but he'll he'll have well, a then, shot. Then then we need to be pumping the Bills as an undervalued commodity right now. I mean, they're the favorite to win the AFC. They're not undervalued. Well, they're, their quarterback is okay, but but the but the team the team they're right now they're they're plus one eighty five to win the AFC. Chiefs plus two twenty. Bengals plus seven hundred. Dolphins. What are the Eagles to win the NFC? Plus two hundred. But see, this is this is why I would say the Eagles. Like I, I I think it's fine to make the argument that the Bills because like they started so hot. And then the Chiefs became the darling, and then now the Bengals are the darling. That like the conversational narrative thing isn't on Buffalo because they played last Thursday and didn't play on Sunday, but they they won by the by virtue of the Chiefs losing. Like I I get that if you're talking about narrative, but I think that the AFC has three teams 
with three dudes who look like they're going to be Hall of Fame quarterbacks in Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow, that I wouldn't be shocked if any of them won the conference. In the NFC, the odds are more jumbled together with like more teams. But other than Dallas, who we talked about last week, they're they're pretty complete and they're getting better. Like San Francisco's playing Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback. Yeah. The Vikings are statistically the luckiest 10 and two team in the history of football. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think there are as many challengers to the Eagles in the NFC as there are to the bills in the AFC. So if you told me in these two games, pick your team to be in the Super Bowl, Eagles or bills, the bills have to go through a tougher path. Now they might yeah. not have to play both Kansas city and, and Cincy, right? If they, if they get the one seed, they'll have to play each other, but, but still they'll, they'll have to play the, whichever team I, wins. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's the best, that's the obvious, but also the best argument for Philadelphia. It's not so much about them. It's the path. Of course. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't mean to make an obvious point, but like, that's how these odds are calculated. Like who, what is your path to playing in the Super Bowl? The Eagles path, I would say is, is objectively easier. Tampa is in San Francisco. You think Brady will be seeking out real estate for next year when he's playing for the Niners? Well, I mean, isn't that going to come up during that game on Sunday? Like pictures of him as a 49ers fan growing up. Yep. And you've got a situation where do the 49ers really just go back to Trey Lance next year? I mean, I guess they could. I, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, you know, could they say we never saw the opportunity to add the greatest quarterback of all time. So of course we had to take it. It's not a long-term thing. We still believe in Trey as the future of the team, but to try to win this Super Bowl, we couldn't pass on the opportunity to sign Tom Brady. Like, yeah, I think I think you could always spin signing Tom Brady for one year. Trey's coming back from injury. We still believe in him. It used to be that quarterbacks could sit for a couple of years, so it's not ridiculous for him to sit for a couple of years for, for us. Look at what happened to Jordan Love in Green Bay. Like, yeah. I... I, I don't think it's an impossible narrative to spin when you're bringing in Tom Brady, but you'd be bringing in a 45, 46 year old Tom Brady and you traded all those draft picks to get Trey Lance. Like I think it is overwhelmingly likely that Trey Lance is the starter in San Francisco next year. Like Trey Lance or the field. I think you'd have to lay minus 400 you know, I, I I think it's overwhelmingly likely that it's Trey Lance. I just wonder how we got to a place where we say things about the 49ers like the quarterback is really not that important. It's more about the coach and it's more about the system. When the coach is 9-29 and 29 without Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, Why do we do that? I mean, that, that's a great stat. Um, 
Because nine I mean, and twenty nine. It's a great. It's a great stat. I I think that two things. One, I think Jimmy Garoppolo gets a little disrespected because Jimmy Garoppolo signed a hundred and forty million dollar contract. Like he's not. He's not awful. You know, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo has talent. Like and- Brady gets. Bla- I mean, Belichick gets blasted for his stat without Brady. And this dude is 20 games under. Yeah. Without an average quarterback as a head coach. Yeah. No, that it's it's totally fair. The the other the other part of it though is anyone who says that doesn't follow the like Kyle Shanahan doesn't believe it. If Kyle Shanahan believed that he could win with anybody, he went to trade three first round draft picks to take or a kid from the FBS. Right, exactly. Good point. You know, you know, like he he thought that there was a special talent at quarterback who could uniquely fit his system with his size, his mobility, and, and all of that. It would be another weapon in his run game and who had a huge arm. Like, I watched every play that Trey Lance had this year. It was in the, it was in the Bears game, week one. Now, it was in a monsoon. But, like, <laughs> but honestly, like, you could see his physical talent. It was there. It, it was raw as hell. But but it but it was there. But yeah, I think that to Kyle Shanahan showed you what he thinks of the quarterback position because he tried to go out and get a, a crazy talented athlete to play for him. Dolphins Chargers. This is a good question by you. Thank you. Which team has the better coach quarterback combo? Tua McDaniel or Herbert Staley? All right, make the case for the Chargers because I know that's what you're going to do. So I'll just try to formulate in my head the Miami response while you do that with the Chargers one. It is purely (laughs) my eye test, my scout's eye. That's it. (laughs) My eye tells me that Justin Herbert is better than Tua. And even though I would take McDaniel over Staley, and I, I would, it's crazy. I would have never thought I would have said that a year ago. Um, but like, if I was power ranking these people in terms of like how good they are at their job relative to the competition, it would be Herbert one, um, Tua McDaniel two three, in an order that I'm vacillating on. <laughs> And and Staley, a reluctant four, who I think has gotten a bad rap and some tremendously bad luck. But I do think that they offensively could be a little bit more creative around Herbert. But I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Acho went viral and got trolled by the Chargers social media team for calling Herbert a social media quarterback. They took that as like, He's obsessed with social media. That's not what he meant. He meant that he's like a highlights-only quarterback. Um, and on some level, he is because he hasn't won a playoff game. But I'm sorry, I don't look at that as being Justin Herbert's fault. The guy came in as a rookie and had 31 touchdowns and 10 picks, and Anthony Lynn was his co- his coach, and they lost all those one-possession games. And then his center has gotten hurt and his left tackle's gotten hurt and both of his receivers have gotten hurt. And like, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't look at Justin Herbert as the reason why the chargers haven't been successful. I look at Justin Herbert as a guy who other than burrow Allen and Mahomes, 
is the best quarterback in the NFL that I would want to build a team around. Not for like to win a game tomorrow, but next 10 years, I'm owning a stock. Mahomes one, Allen two, Burrow three, Herbert four for me. And that's enough for me to choose the Chargers in the in the long run over the over the Dolphins combo. Well, I think Staley's biggest uh, drawing card, the fact that he was hyper-aggressive and he knew the numbers better than any coach, that's out the window. Yep. Because he hasn't done that consistently this year. Yep. I think McDaniel is one of the better offensive coaches in the entire league. And, you know, Tua, even before... Even before Tyreek Hill showed up there, the numbers are good for him individually. Win-loss record, quarterback rating, touchdown-to-interception ratio. You do it every year. It's up echelon. He just doesn't pass your eye test the way that Herbert does. So it's interesting because, like, We love the way that Herbert makes throws. And so when he has Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out there and Austin Eckler, and he has really good players at the skill positions, it's like, well, no, that's more about Herbert than it is about those guys making those plays. But if you put Tua in LA and he had the same stats, it would be, well, he has Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. So, you know, I tend to side with Tua and McDaniel. I think that Tua, like people have been waiting for a moment where he slipped up. So that San Francisco game is getting held against him like a scarlet letter, but it's the number one defense in the NFL. And this is the 30th defense. So I'm very excited to come back on here on Sunday night and say, well, he had one bad game against the best defense in the NFL. But overall, two is still a top 10 quarterback. And he's got one of the five best coaches in the NFL. So I would take two and McDaniel. Okay. Would you would you take but remove the coaches just briefly? If you if you were starting a team. I take I I take Herbert. Okay. Okay. Me too. Like I, I do think that you every number is good. You know, I I'm 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 here for all of it. There is something to the physical talent of what the dude can do. And so we we, we would both take Herbert. All right. Ravens-Steelers, this is your game. This is a huge rivalry. I'm, in, I'm surprised at your question a little bit. Your question was, should, should Lamar shut it down? Do you think he should? Well, that's what Keyshawn Johnson said. So when he said oh. that on ESPN, I was intrigued by it because he was the first person – with a national platform to say, when you don't have a guaranteed contract and you play the way that Jackson does, you might as well just tap out. So I've been, I've been super interested in what, not just former players, but just like how fans view that. And I like, I think part of it too, Danny is like, we societally and as fans, I think it's more normalized more than ever when it comes to athletes making, you know, decisions that are about them, like Jackson Smith and Jigba is not going to play in the college football playoff. If that had happened 10 years ago, he would have been crucified for it. Now it's like, 
Well, you know, if I was his dad, I would tell him to do the same thing. And I think that there's actually a carryover with that when it comes to Lamar Jackson's situation. Like, well, if he can get $200 million and he, and he risks that by going out there and playing at 60% and sucking, well, then maybe he shouldn't play again this year. So I, I that think, seems I to be the I think new modern is, narrative about the Ravens quarterback. I, I, I think that there is some truth to what you're saying in terms of that like public opinion has certainly shifted on player empowerment but even though college athletes can get money now with the name image and likeness it's different than professional quarterback under contract um I think Lamar if he was healthy and sat and said it's because he's protecting himself for his negotiation would get skewered. I agree with that. They're eight and four. You know, the, the season is not over. Now, to your point, the Ohio State wide receiver, it's the college football playoff. It's not the Sun Bowl. But he has not made generational wealth playing in college. Lamar Jackson has and will continue like, to and, and will. I, I just want to like, we talked to Mike Flory about this on our show yesterday. And Mike said that he thinks that there is an interest on Baltimore's part to see the improvements that Tyler Huntley has made from last year to this year. And the point I made back to that was, I've been in Pittsburgh for a long time. When Ben was suspended in his prime because of off-the-field stuff, there was not intrigue to see what Dennis Dixon the Oregon quarterback who was seen seen as like a really hyper good athlete. Oh, what is he going to do while Ben was out? This is a quarterback in his mid-20s who's already won an MVP award. And I've got credible people telling me that Baltimore is interested to see how the backup quarterback performs while he's out. What the fuck is that? That's not supposed to be the narrative surrounding a quarterback that's in his 20s, who's already been a player of the year? Not at all. No, it's definitely not. It's disrespectful to Lamar. But I don't think Mike, I don't think Mike's making that up. I actually think that's a valid point. Well, I because think because there's think, a sentiment out there that Huntley throws the ball better than Lamar Jackson does. I mean, Huntley kicked the shit out of the Bears last year. Like he he is not a bad football player. Like that guy, that guy moves the ball. Um, and and is a weapon and is the perfect backup for Lamar. He was undrafted. I I I I I know, I know. Um, I, obviously Roethlisberger had won a Super Bowl, so different set of circumstances and loyalty and levels of made guy. But to your point, MVP's pretty damn made. Yeah. Um, I would be floored if you polled Ravens fans and said. Do you think that Tyler Huntley can take this job from Lamar Jackson if he started every game the rest of the season? I'd be shocked if 10% of people said yes. You know, I don't I don't know that that's a real sentiment. Lamar's been disappointing. We've talked about it all year. Since week three, he has not been good. We've talked about it. I understand that, but the idea that this is maybe 
big picture for the Ravens, a blessing in disguise because you get to evaluate Tyler Huntley is just mind boggling for me, Danny. It, it, it is. I just, I don't, I don't similarly to San Francisco and probably even more so like Lamar Jackson is going to be the quarterback for the Ravens next year on opening day. And he's going to be doing it either with a new long-term contract or playing under the exclusive franchise tag for an astronomical amount of money north of $44 million guaranteed. You know, like he's, I can't real. Do you, do you see any scenario where that doesn't happen? Well, the only one is if Huntley plays great, but I don't predict that. So no, I don't. But even if he, man, it'd be such a risk on a small sample to just, just, just what? Tag and trade Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I guess if Huntley's great, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Okay, so we said last week Bengals could be Chiefs kryptonite. Browns, Bengals. Are the Browns that to the Bengals? Well, how is it that Burrow's never beaten them? I mean, that's like, what is going on with that? And he was good, bad against them in that Monday night game on Halloween. Um, I could see them losing this game just because the roller coaster ride that is the NFL, the highs and lows of it. So this is super intriguing to me because the Bengals are a hiccup or a misstep away from being looked at as a legitimate team that can get back to the Super Bowl when in the summer they were like, ah, eh, they had an incredible run. Ain't going to happen again. We really like their quarterback, but it was a one-off. They're not going to get close to that. Kind of an important game in that respect. Like, prove that you're better than the Ravens. You're going to win the division. You're going to get a home playoff game and beat the team that's been a bugaboo for you, even with the great quarterback that is Burrow. Yeah, I think that uh, if Jacoby was still playing, there'd be a little bit more risk of like post-Chiefs hangover and overlooking them. But Burrow won't have any problem getting up for the game given that he hasn't beaten an in-state opponent, a division opponent, and it's a Deshaun Watson game. There's going to be plenty of intrigue and attention around the game. They're only a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I, I think Cincinnati's role is legit. Of course they could lose because of the any given Sunday factor, like, you know, yep. for sure. But I'd be shocked. Like if they actually laid an egg and we came on Sunday night and said, wow, they didn't get up for the game. Uh, I'm almost more interested in the Brown side of it because every game with Deshaun Watson is a data point that is going to be hyper analyzed. Like, yeah. You know, nothing they do the rest of the year really matters in terms of wins and losses. But, you know, they didn't have an offensive touchdown last week. They gave him the only fully guaranteed contract ever. Browns fans are going to want, and it's only been one game, but it was the Texans, and he hadn't played in 700 days, so there's time. But Browns fans are going to want to see a couple of 300-yard passing, 50-yard rushing, couple touchdown like that they invested in a top 10 borderline top five quarterback talent before the end of the year. Well, that's why for them, I mean, this is kind of a quasi playoff game for the Browns in the sense that if Watson were to play well and they were to win with the Raiders losing 
with the Steelers being in a coin toss game, with the Jets probably losing to the Bills, I mean, yeah, it feels like the only thing that matters is how do you feel about your franchise quarterback that you invested so much in, given all his baggage? But if they were to win, it's not far-fetched for us to come on the air Sunday night and be like, eh, it's kind of opened up for them. No. I mean, yes. I don't see them make playoff odds on if the board the right now. If the Jets lose, the Raiders what? have already lost, and the Steelers lose, and the Chargers lose to the Dolphins. Okay, well, so hold on. Just quickly. Cleveland is five and seven. If they win. If they win, they get to six and seven. Yep. They're still so I'm just non-division leading AFC teams with more than six wins. Miami, the Jets, both the Bengals and Ravens are eight and four. So yep. you know, in this scenario, the Bengals would be the eight win team because they would have lost. So that's that's a third AFC team that's not leading its division with more than six wins. And then the Chargers are at six wins. And the Steelers are, and the Patriots are at six wins. And the Steelers are tied with them at five and seven. I don't know what their make playoff odds are. I can pull up what their schedule is the rest of the way. But they've got to be. Oh, they're astronomical. But if they beat Cincinnati and sweep them. I mean, it is an easy finish. In Cincy, home against Baltimore, home against New Orleans, in Washington, in Pittsburgh. If Deshaun Watson looks great immediately and they win, yep. I suppose someone, yeah, you could talk yourself. Well, that's into what that. they'll be saying. I'm saying that's what they'll be saying in Cleveland on Monday. Yeah, that they could run the table, get to ten wins, and get the seven seed. I, I, I guess with that schedule, but that, that's that's going to take a million things to break their way. All right, let's let's pick this up here. Every game, every week, every team. Subscribe, rate, review. First and pod. Tell a friend. Let's go. Chiefs, Broncos. Are we surprised that Hackett is surviving the season here? Why haven't they yes! fired him yet? Yeah, this is like an Urban Meyer situation. Why wouldn't they just let the defensive coordinator finish out the string? To see what he's all about as a head coach. Because he's going to get head coach interviews in the offseason. So, is it like they feel like it's going to set him behind the eight ball? Because they're not going to win those games? And it's going to like hurt his chances long term. Like, is Nathaniel Hackett actually going to be the Broncos head coach next year? None of us think yes. So then, why is he still their head coach right now? I don't. I don't. I don't know the answer to that. But so I just googled Ihiro uh, Ivero. Believe that's how you pronounce it. The Broncos defensive coordinator, I apologize if I'm getting that wrong. E-J-I-R-O-E-V-E-R-O. And, you know, like the first thing that comes up, it's it's actually a profootballhistory.com. One of the best assistant coaches in the NFL this year, period. So here's here's the little paragraph. It's so unfair. It just comes up when you Google him, like the top of the page. Ivero is the defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos since the 2022 season. Overo's record as the team's defensive coordinator was three and nine, making him the least successful defensive coordinator in Broncos history. Yeah, F that. 
That is astro- that is ridiculous. He's actually, in my opinion, one of the most successful. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> He's the, you're judging the guy by wins and losses. His offense scores nine points a game. <laughs> it's, that's ridiculous. That's what I mean. Why wouldn't you get the ball ball rolling on him? Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe new ownership being a little gun shy to like shake it up and fire a first year head coach 12 games into his tenure because they don't want they want to attract top candidates and you want to be seen as a place that's stable and supportive and all that. Like I you know, that's best I can come up with for you. But again, this is not going to be the week, but I need the Broncos to find a way to a win for the Bears. <laughs> they got they got to find a way to a win so, some somewhere on the schedule. Figure it out. Okay, speaking of uh deci- decision makers, this is fascinating. Jaguars Titans. Titans get blown out by the Eagles. AJ Brown who they didn't sign. They traded him for a first round pick. Eagles signed him. He torches them for two touchdowns, and it's a blowout, humiliating loss for the Titans. And they fire John Robinson, their general manager. Did you see it coming? It's honestly one of the one of the most egregiously like wrong things, or unless there's some kind of personal issue that I'm missing. I just it makes me question the entire state of the team when like their backbone of the organization gets so much credit because of what they were able to accomplish last year, more with less with Mike Vrabel as their head coach. Like they had an offensive coordinator get a DUI coming back from Green Bay when they had set some kind of record for like ineptitude in the fourth quarter of games. And that guy kept his job and this dude gets fired. Like, I think, I think it's impossible. going on there. Well, I, th- I think it's impossible to ignore the timing of losing 35-10 to the Eagles and A.J. Brown doing to you what he did. It it would be terrible to fire your it general It was one manager. of the lowest-rated pass defenses in the NFL, and it was a road game against the team with the best record in the NFL. I no, mean, I- the GM sat down there thinking, if we're non-competitive in this game, I'm going to fucking get fired? That's not fair. Oh, I, I'm not saying that he thought it. I'm saying it. it's a totally logical conclusion to draw that it was an emotional decision based on the result of that game. But they are trending in the wrong direction, man. We've talked about no it all doubt. year. But the wide receiver that they got back in that trade made an, an incredible Herculean play where he got fucking knocked out in the end zone and still caught a touchdown and frankly has been good since they made that trade. Okay, but they're but they're tw- I, I I wrote a few notes down on it. They're they're 26th in scoring. They're 29th in yardage. Like their offense is is abysmal. They I mean, first round pick 2020, Isaiah Wilson. He's out of football already. Yep. First round pick in 2021. Caleb Farley, the corner, injured in the pre-draft time. Yep. I and then that. finished both seasons with season-ending injuries. Virginia Tech, yep. Yeah. So 
has I mean, hasn't gotten anything out of his last two first round picks. Signed, uh, you know, acquired either trade or free agency. Julio Jones, Jadavion Clowney, Vic Beasley, Bud Dupree. These are a lot of misses. Now, the Tannehill trade was great. The Henry selection was great. Uh, Simmons, the defensive tackle, great, great draft pick. I'm not saying the guy has no hits. They they keep winning the division. Like they they they've had success. I, I'm with you on surprising. I'm not sure I can be with you on shocking. When here here shocking it's it's mid season and they're in first place. This Dude. is like never happened before. Okay, but it's not going well. That's a humiliating loss. And well, what do you mean it's some, not going well? They're in first place. But the uh, the numbers that I just gave you, like what what the offense is doing, is they're they're not they're not good. None of us think that they're a competitive team. Are they overachieving? Yes. Okay, then how does the GM lose his job for like running an overachieving outfit? I don't get that. Well, but I mean, no, because because of because of the randomness of the NFL, man. Like one score games. Like is are the the the, the Vikings are overachieving? Does that mean that their 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 coach is great? Like they're getting no, a little. No, but if lucky. they fired their GM right now, I'd be like, what are they doing? So you think the Titans are on the right path? I'm not saying that they're like destined for a Super Bowl win. I just the idea is the overall organizational. If they were a stock, are they trending up or down? They are trending down. Yeah, but we thought like down for them would be seven and ten or six and eleven this year, and they're going to host a playoff game, bro. I I understand that. That's no, I that, don't think that, you do because what you're saying it it's justified to have fired their GM. I'm saying that the, he's made some huge decisions recently yes. that are going very poorly. First round pick, first round pick, and AJ Brown, man. There were four dudes in the exact same position: McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and AJ Brown. Three of the four teams just re-signed their guy. Yep. DK Metcalf demanded a trade. Debo demanded a trade. Like, A.J. Brown wasn't the only one in a weird spot. The Titans were the only team that traded their guy. And they traded their guy to the team that now is the Super Bowl favorite. Just kicked the shit out of you. Yep. And it's looking horrible. And congrats, you got an extra first-round pick. But I got no faith that you can hit on first-round picks because the last two first-round picks that you have, one's done with football and one can't finish a football season. Like, he's – you know, Derrick Henry is good, and that was an amazing draft pick by him. But, like, obviously his best days are behind him. Tannehill's best days are behind him. Like, the organization is trending down. So, on some level, I respect it. But it's it's surprising, just not shocking. When I dug a little deeper into it, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Did I convince you? No. I don't think I didn't at all there, huh? Okay. What'd you make of how the Cowboys handled the OBJ injury story? I don't like it. Cowboys Texans, 17 and a half points is the spread as of now, by the way. 17 and a half. So they try to like save face by not signing him by saying he's not going to play again this year. Do I have that? 
basically that he wouldn't be ready to play until like mid-January. So no regular season. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like with the Cowboys' rec- reputation and the way that things have gone for them, the fact that, like, they're the messenger of this story for whatever reason really perturbs me. Well, like, you're basically it, it, saying I mean, we're not going to do this, we're passing on this, and here's why. And we're going to, like, like, I don't know. I feel like I've, like, for whatever reason, like, in the post-COVID era, like, I've heard like, oh, HIPAA, 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 like respect people's personal health, like way more. Like it's like a, it's like a personal secretive thing. And then they're like, all right, we're not signing this guy. And here's why he's fucked. Okay. I, uh, I agree. It was, it was jarring. Um, you probably shouldn't do it ethically. We know Jerry Jones dances around and over and behind and past that line all the time. Small devil's advocate point. Does anyone disagree? Like, no, I've been saying that for a while. I've been saying that the most overrated story in the NFL is who OBJ is going to sign with. Because I did not see him making a tremendous impact on any team that he joined. But but he's so popular with players. Like, Micah Parsons has taken him courtside to a Mavs game. Mega Parsons. What? What? What'd you say? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. I said MAGA Parsons. Dude, that, <laughs> that was one of the funniest backtracks in internet <laughs> history. It was so great. Uh I liked I liked uh MAGA Parsons was good. I liked uh Pass Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Pass Rush Limbaugh really got me. That was unbelievable. <laughs> and, like, his responses, you could tell, were from, like, his, like, PR team. Where they're like, Micah, please tweet this out right now. Would you please, like, this, like, apology or, like, mea culpa, send this out immediately. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, he, he said basically – F you, President Biden. We still won't vote for you. You left the Marine over there and you brought Britney home. And like, just like basically like every crazy uninformed talking point that existed. And within like 15 minutes, he had deleted the tweets. It was like, my bad. I've just been informed about details of this story. Uh, it's amazing that Britney Griner is coming home. Uh, I'm sorry to anybody who I've Dude, and because they're playing such a bad team this weekend... that's going to be the biggest thing that gets talked about after that game. Like him at his locker, Jerry post game. I mean, unless they were to lose. Yeah. But like that's turned into like the story. Nah, they'll, they'll, they'll do like, like Micah Parsons, like will just like weirdly not be available post game. Jerry will create some headline to distract. Like, They'll they'll get around. And to be honest with you, I I felt a little bad for Micah Parsons. To be totally honest with you, like the the bad faith actors who have absolutely no idea about anything and clearly haven't followed the story, I I, I hate them with the fire of a thousand suns. But it, like Micah Parsons comes from a military family, 
was misinformed, got emotional, fired off a tweet, forgot that he's Micah Parsons and has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers, quickly got informed, deleted the tweet, genuinely apologized. Like, yeah. there's got to be room for, like, grace and forgiveness in culture and the internet and all that. So, like, to me, like, no harm, no foul, Micah. It's all good. I got a real good laugh out of your apology and your backtrack and all the jokes on the internet. So, like, I don't hold anything against Micah for it, but God, was it funny. What's we, the had a great, we had a great moment with him. When I was yeah. at the NFL Awards event in L.A. in February, he played at Penn State, and my wife knew that, obviously. So he was, like, t- accepting his award for Defensive Rookie of the Year. And, like, she screamed. Not, she hates Penn State, but she screamed, like, some Penn State chant. And it, like, completely, like, threw him off in the middle of his acceptance speech. And he had to, like, respond to it out of, like, Penn State loyalty. And then we, like, saw him at, like, the post-show, like, reception bar. And it was fun. So. That's great. I always give Micah Parsons the benefit of the doubt because he wanted to buy our very expensive drinks in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl. So. That was nice of him. Tip of the cap to you. Yeah, Michael Parsons. Uh, very quickly, we're going way longer than I thought we would, given all the teams on by this week. But uh, what's the number you would have to get to bet the Texans and the points? Would you do it at 20? Would you need 21? 21 no, I do it at 14 and a half. I think they cover. Oh, so you're taking 17 and a half. Yep, easily. Yeah. Wow. Mills Davis is back in. Okay, I, I think that there could be a rushing yardage record set if the Cowboys wanted to in this game. Um, all right. Are we in the trust tree? Are we late enough in the pod that I can admit something to you here about this next game? Dude, we could do this at the beginning of the podcast and I'd be up for it. Come on. Okay. You're my boy. Okay. I bet Vikings minus two and a half. The second the line opened. It's now Lions minus two and a half. I love it. (laughs) I'm going to be wrong. Uh by kickoff by a solid five. I don't care. I think points. you I think you're still going to win. I, I like I know that the Lions offense has been rolling and I know that the Vikings are uh are historically lucky and I know the game is in Detroit. But come on. My 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 rebuttal is come on. The the, the Lions aren't better than the they're not better than the Vikings. They're not the same. On a neutral field, that's 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 a little ridiculous, is it not? Yeah, like, you know, this is one of these great questions about, like, when we're removed, like you and I are, and we try to just look at the data and not apply, like, kind of like human nature aspects to it and we're like wait a minute the Lions numbers suggest that they actually should be favored against the Vikings because the Vikings are like the worst 10 and 2 team of all time but like we're just going to completely ignore or disregard the fact that one team is undefeated in close games and the other team is one in six like I look look I did not play you know this we went to college together like you and you and me did not play 
sports at a high level past high school. But I just think about when I was in that situation. If one team was really good and comfortable at winning close games and the other team was the exact opposite, like as an athlete, that would mean a lot to me. Like I would feel very comfortable in a game where like this team has a tendency to fuck up in close games and we know how to win these games. And that's really the Vikings and Lions in a nutshell. The Lions have fucked up a lot of these close games or found a way to lose. And the Vikings are the exact opposite. Like they get zero love for winning in Buffalo here, according to the odds makers. Right. And the Lions have lost a ton of games like this at home this year. So I, I, it's it's weird because like I I haven't been a huge believer in the Vikings. And I bet the Lions over. And if the Lions win this game, they get to six wins and it cashes my over five and a half. And I like their culture and their offensive line is good. And Amon Ross St. Brown looks like a legitimate stud. And golf has been great and efficient. And Jamal Williams has 14 touchdowns. And like they're they're the Lions are fun. Like I all of those things. But I the total's 52 and a half. Neither team is going to should or is expected to really stop the other. I just, I, I, I think that the Vikings are more tried, trued, and tested yep. with more to play for. You know, I just, I, I, I'm very surprised, very surprised that it got this far in this direction. And if it hits Lions minus three, I might need to just double my bet and just go down with the ship. (laughs) Because that is, because here's the thing, man. You know, you're like, we're removed from it. The odds makers aren't. Like, I'm clearly wrong. Like, the the market has clearly said I am wrong. Uh, So I'm a little shook by it, to be honest with you. Like, I, the Bears are on a bye. I would love to watch every snap of this game. These are two NFC North opponents. I feel like I've seen a lot of them this year. And I'm that wrong based on the market. Like I'm a, I'm a little, I was a little shook. So I, I'm very interested in this game, even though it only really matters for one team. And I really don't think Vikings games matter because I don't think they can really make a noise in the playoffs. But I, I'm not normally that wrong on an NFL line this late in the season. So I'm it's it's a game that I'm oddly fascinated by even though it's very far down in the rundown. What's our last game? Well, it's another weird line. Why are the Panthers like a 4-point underdog against the Seahawks? In the Pacific Northwest where there's like the oh, there's a huge travel advantage for the Seahawks here. That's another one where I feel like every schmo just assumes that the Seahawks are going to win this game comfortably. Especially with their injury at running back. Well, you know why. Gino. Gino. Dude, the Panthers defense under Wilkes. I know. Has fucking played their asses off, man. Burns especially is a stud. I love Carolina in this game. I think they're going to go there and win. I wish I had the nuts to bet Carolina to win the NFC South, but I don't. Well, that's good because you'll save your money. 
That's not going to happen. Um, so you taking them? So you are interested in a Texans and the points, Panthers money line parlay? Well, I would tease both of those teams. I would tease Houston to like a three touchdown underdog, and Carolina to a double digit underdog, and feel like I could kick my feet up and relax on both of those games. The yeah. very unconventional teasing 17 and a half up to 23 and a half. Yep. You don't see that. You don't see that tease very often, folks. That's, that's well, a rare I'm tease. not, I'm not a, like an inside the box guy. I'm a, I'm a different dude. You know that. Yeah, no, that is, that is, that is, that is different. What, what karaoke song did you sing tonight? Uh, I did Wang Chung. Do you like Wang Chung? I like your version of it. I look, man, I've like my entire life. I just have been fine with people giving me shit for stuff and not caring. Yeah, me too. And so well, I, I cared like in, I cared like early in high school, but ever since college, I haven't cared. You know, that's one of my favorite things about you. And that my wife, about you. One, my wife was amazed by that. My wife was like, why have you gotten punched in the face so many times and Danny hasn't? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't really know the answer to that. But I think we had similar personalities and that's why we get along so well. Yeah. Because I don't really give a fuck what people think of me. Especially when I know my opinion is right about something. (laughs) So... So I oh dealt- God, are we similar? I know, dude, and that's why I was like, when I met you, I was like, I like this guy a lot because I think I see some of myself in this person. But uh, yeah, degenerate gamblers who love sports and arguing about sports and talking shit. Yeah, but I don't really like go like so. Um, maybe this is where you and me go differently at the fork in the road, like. I don't actually go out of my way to instigate shit. No. I just get really mad when people try to push something that's obviously wrong on other people. And in those situations, I'm like, calm the F down. You're wrong about this. And here's why. And that's where it's gone wrong for me or bad for me in some situations. You know, like. Oh, listen, I mean, I haven't like started like a in-person verbal confrontation, like at a bar that's like potentially escalated into a physical confrontation or something like that in, in a while. But uh, yeah, if two people are arguing about something and there's one person that's clearly wrong, I will invite myself into the situation. <laughs> to be the not so unbiased arbiter of right and wrong. And uh, I like to consider myself in like the 98th or 99th percentile of verbal confrontations, you know, settlers in the world. It's, uh, it's fun. I I, I don't win physical confrontations. I don't win beauty pageants, but I win most arguments. So it's, it's our, it's our secret weapon. Well, this was fun. I would love to hear you sing sometime. 
Um, I'll talk to you Sunday night, my friend. See ya. Thank you to Spencer Ray. Hey, the podcast keeps growing, but only because you guys share it and tell your friends. Tell one person who you know who likes the NFL to check out this podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. First and pod. Peace. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 